Hello, Atlanteans. Welcome to the Education in Atlanta podcast, the place to discuss all things education in the metro area. We're focused on taking an in-depth look at the movers and shakers that make decisions about what happens in our schools. In this episode, our intern, Jaharius Kendrick, interviewed Heather Tooley Bauer, founder of Watch the Funds Cobb. Watch the Funds Cobb was created as a watchdog group focused on engaging stakeholders to watch how the school district spends taxpayers' dollars. To date, Cobb County Schools has received millions from the federal government to combat the COVID-19 pandemic. All right. So one of the first questions I have is, can you take me through the process, right, of creating the group, like, Watch the Funds Cobb? Like, what was that process like? How did you all go about doing it? So Watching the Funds Cobb is a, um, it's a grassroots organization that was founded by uh, five women, actually, in Cobb County. Um, parents, you know, we're moms, most of us, not all of us of, of, um, students, you know, in Cobb, we reside in Cobb. We all reside in Cobb. We all pay taxes, uh, to Cobb. And, um, we, we were, um, we got together in January. We found each other in January through a different, um, couple of other Facebook pages that are, um, out there because there are lots of parents who, um, are not real happy with our school district <laughs> um, for various reasons and, and for in and in various ways. And so that's how we found each other. We we wanted to put together a group of people that would um, take on a very specific role and take action around that role. And we talked about a lot of different things um, that we wanted to see improved within Cobb County Schools, but we settled on watching where the money goes, watching how they spend um, spend our budget. And um, we have stayed very busy just on that singular task of, of literally watching the funds. Okay. And now from the research that I um, did do before this podcast, Originally, it wasn't necessarily about the money, right? But everything just kind of kept leading back to it. Or was that always kind of the main function of the group? Yeah, we decided early on before we kind of launched publicly in February, we decided that our um, we landed on the mission of, of money. And for a couple of reasons. One is nobody else was doing it. Two was um, the the board had just approved some um, expenditures for COVID mitigation on a technology that we felt was unproven and maybe unsafe, and uh, we didn't um, approve of that um, of spending money that way. Um, we didn't approve we didn't approve of the process um, in which those expenditures were. Um, were approved at the board level, and and those expenditures were it was a twelve million dollar expense. Um, and, uh, so with that perked our ears up. So, um, yeah, I mean, early on we had talked about a lot of different things, but we decided before we launched, we had already decided we were going to focus on, on the budget. Um, and not just, not just where the money is being spent, but why 
And how? Um, how are these decisions made? Um, are we doing everything as a district? We just need to make sure that the district and the board are responsible fiduciaries of taxpayer dollars. Okay. And when you said that you're one of the like um, groups that are doing like tracking the money and going through all those things, have you seen other groups in like the Cobb County district that are also trying to do the same thing or are y'all just one of the singular ones that are doing it? No, we're the only ones that are specifically watching the money. I mean, other groups are, they weigh in on, um, uh, other things as it relates to um, education and as it relates to um, most recently, you know, um, COVID protocols and whether or not, you, you know, we're going to be face-to-face or virtual or our mask policy as a district. Um, you know, most of the, most of the groups kind of weigh in on, on that. And then there, you have other groups that are trying to bring social equality to um, to Cobb County and, and raise our raise our school district's awareness around the need for social equality. And so those groups exist as well. Um, we um, we focus on how, where, when, and why the money is being spent because and the reason why um, it is also to support those other things because you know when you have um, almost a 1.3 or it is a 1.3 billion dollar, budget in your general fund and 93% of that is spent on on uh, uh, staff salaries and, and benefits uh, for staff that doesn't leave a lot left over to do anything that we, that might contribute to a better learning environment for students it doesn't give you a lot of money to, to do much of anything else so you know our keeping the, the district and the board accountable for um, every penny, perhaps freeze up some money so that we can look at, um, you know, other programs that these other parents are advocating for or gives us other opportunities to provide, like I said, a different learning environment that that these other groups are interested in seeing. Um, so we, you know, we see our role as, as um, although our mission is, is very singular and focused, we see our role as being very collaborative with other groups. And I, I thought it was fairly interesting just, just seeing all the debate on how the district was handling all the millions and millions of dollars that was coming through that district. Now, when you first started seeing what they were spending money on, did it kind of like, I'm assuming that it just caught you by surprise or did you have already kind of heard from other people that maybe this school board isn't doing the right things when it comes down to these funds? Yeah, both both things. Um, okay. You know, something that really caught our attention early on that really galvanized us in the beginnings of this group as we were forming was the fact that uh, the board had changed its policy on how other board members got things on the agenda. And, um, you know, our board is a very, is a partisan board. Some are, some aren't, ours is. So, um, you know, that we have a, a four Republican majority um, and three uh, uh, Democrats in the minority. And um, soon after the November election, the, the board um, changed the policy that now requires four votes to get something on the agenda. And um, that didn't sit well with us. 
Um, we felt that, you know, the three um, minority uh, Democratic members, um, we felt like they weren't being heard. They weren't giving an opportunity to represent their duly, you know, their constituents, their duly elected members of the board. And they're really not able to to speak on behalf of a large constituency when they can't put something on the agenda. Um, so we, we got started there and, um, and, and had come together with a baseline of knowledge about different groups that are um, a little disenchanted with the school district and, and why. And some of that pointed back to a couple of purchases that were done by, um, by the district in dealing with one particular owner of several different companies. So we didn't have to go much further than, than that. But remember, when we came together in January, our kids had just been gone back to school in October. And in um, and within those few months, our um, board had approved a $12 million expense by a vote of four to two, because one of the um, Democratic new Democratic board members had not yet been sworn in. So um, in the fall before January, um, it was, you know, four Republican um, incumbents, majority members, two Democrats. And so by a vote of four to two, with very little discussion, the board um, approved um, an amendment to the budget, which was a $12 million expense that was supposed to go towards COVID mitigation technology. One was UV lights. And the other was hand rinsing stations. And at the time, we were collecting, you know, people in the community were collecting masks and hand sanitizers for classrooms and for buses. So we were like, mm, explain this to us. We don't understand why, you know, why we're spending $12 million um, on this technology. And then as we dug deeper into the companies and the technology, it it gave us reason to be very skeptical of the process. So that's where we started. Um, we had some, there were some rumblings that there would be good reason to follow the money, basically. And um, when we took in all of the um, all of the issues around the district, that's the one that we focused on, and that's where we that's really where we started was. Um, uh, doing our due diligence around the COVID mitigation technology, which, by the way, has failed, and um, and uh, and then that led us to other other things, <laughs> other purchases that were made. <laughs> now, what do you think that most Cobb County residents, from what you've heard from parents, other stakeholders? What do you think that their opinion is of the board at the moment? You know, do they think that it's becoming fractured and more fractured each, at each board meeting? Do they see a light at the end of the tunnel? Like, what are you hearing? So 100 um, percent people are know that the board is is dysfunctional. Those who are at all aware know that this board is, is dysfunctional. The interesting thing is, depending on who you're talking to, it that depends upon who they blame for the dysfunction. And um, and I think that you might be aware of the Cognia review, which is uh, the review of our accreditation. And I think that that brought a lot of things uh, to light. I think that the the actual dysfunction of the board got onto the radar of a lot more people that have not paying attention because they start to hear 
accreditation review and the district put out information that uh, would have scared the bejesus out of any parent um, about what happens, what are all the bad things that happen if you lose your accreditation. And, and I was disappointed in the communication that came up from the district because it was very, it, it was serving a particular narrative and purpose that, that they bought into, which wasn't telling the full story. So they misled a lot of people and they got a lot of parents kind of up in arms when they didn't need to. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, like most, I would say most people who have any knowledge of the district or the school board recognize that the school board is dysfunctional. They just, we don't always see eye to eye on whose fault that is. Ah, uh, that, that one. Okay. Now I understand that. I see the standpoint now. Um, I do have to say that since the organization was basically created in January, right? Do you think that if COVID had never happened that an organization like this was still being in place? Or do you think that because COVID happened and we were able to see all the virtual live meetings and all of those things, more and more parents were able to see the dysfunction firsthand mm -hmm. and therefore was like, we see this cause, we're definitely supporting it because we see it too. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And I, I think that although watching the funds, watching the funds may have formed mm -hmm. Um, I think that it was way easier for us to form it because we were living in a virtual world and it was much, e it is much easier for parents to be, or it doesn't even have to be parents, taxpayers, really stakeholders in the, in the County. Um, you know, we, we have access to the meetings virtually, which um, makes being educated and being knowledgeable much easier. So I think it's both. I, I, I think we would have come together, um, but I do think we were able to to come together easier and and even take off really um, and be very active because it because we were in, in COVID. And also, I mean, just given just recognizing not just how we meet and, and where we meet and, and and why, but also recognizing that early on it was a COVID purchase, you know, had. It's very interesting about that. That $12 million was funded by the first round of COVID relief money. However, the only reason why that came to the board for a vote is because the superintendent wanted to prepay the, the vendors before the money came in from the government. And so he had to go back and get an, amend an amendment to the budget for an additional $12 million. And he had to explain you know, why, except for there was very little explanation as to why. So the only reason why we know about the purchase of UV lights and the um, hand rinsing stations is because he didn't wanna wait for the money to come in to pay these vendors. That's the only reason why we know about it. And the only reason why we know about that is because that meeting was online. Mm. And everybody was able to see that. And we were able to see that and go, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't make sense. And why won't they let, you know, one of the board members ask questions and why is there not a presentation and how do we, you know, know this is going to work. And, um, so yeah, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. 
that um, I don't know where we would be. I don't think we would be as far along down the road as we are had it not been for um, living in a virtual world thanks to COVID. Have y'all um, made any plans or have thought about maybe expanding it to other school districts as well? Like maybe watch the funds Clayton or watch the funds the cab, the kind of <laughs> the whole Metro Atlanta area. <laughs> Watching the funds Cobb has no interest in franchising. Um, however, uh, however, we do since we formed, we do get a lot of emails and calls from other um, other school districts, not just in Georgia but in other parts of the country, wanting to know how we formed and how we're getting done all that we're getting done. So I definitely think it would be very cool for us to um, share our best practices in a more formal way, um, but we don't we don't have the bandwidth for that right now. <laughs> <laughs> did you ever see yourself being a part of something like this? You know, did it kind of at what point were you kind of like, okay, yeah, we're net deep into this now, like we're gonna do this? And I, yeah, no, I never. I'm one of those people that never really got too deep in the weeds of my local politics. And, um, you know, we haven't lived here real, real long. We've lived here long enough. We've lived here for seven years. And, um, but you know, in that time, my son was just starting kindergarten and we were acclimating to a new part of the country. And then there were a couple of elections in there and we, you know, we've registered to vote and we're voters and, um, and all of that, but I, I've never really um, been, you know, very politically active um, it, but beyond voting. And I, probably because I have a son in the school district and certain things just weren't, just didn't make sense to me. Um, you know, that's why I started to pay attention to the, um, to the, what's happening at the school board level. And, um, and that got me kind of more uh, aware of what's happening in my local level, because, you know, most, the the further down the ballot, the fewer people that vote. And yet those are the decisions that impact you in your day-to-day life. And so, no, I never saw myself as being somebody who would be watching the funds, you know, (laughs) you know, watching the school board, let alone watching the funds, because I don't even balance my checkbook. Like I am not a finance person whatsoever. (laughs) But, um, and there are definitely, you know, easier ways to spend my time, but there's nothing more important than doing what, you know, what we're doing as far as um, making sure that our, our students and our teachers are getting the resources that they want, not just the ones that they need, um, and, um, and that the schools are as strong as they can be in this community because that's how we build um, wealth in this community. You know, you, you have strong schools, you have strong community and we want those to be, um, you know, we want the money to be, to be spent wisely so that everyone can, um, and so that they have, have the ability to put, you know, equity into place. And so that no matter what part of the County you're living in, all of the kids in Cobb County have access to the same kind of quality education. Okay. Now, if there was, I guess one singular thing wouldn't describe the whole board in this instance, but let's say that you could point to one particular thing that the board would do that if you're like, okay, if you just did this, 
maybe I would be a little bit more content with what's going on. But y'all can't <laughs> even y'all can't even do this right. What would that thing be? Yeah, I'm really glad you asked that question because I get asked this question um, a, a lot, mm -hmm. um, and but not quite in that way. But um, the I and I have told them this time and time again. I have told them this. Um, I actually had a very friendly, very lengthy meeting with Randy Scamahorn, who's our board chair, um, about a month ago. And, and I'm going to tell you what I told him. Okay. That the board would, would, would build a lot of goodwill in the community if they would do uh, three things. One is change the policy so that it only takes three members of the board to get anything on the agenda. Um, or for them to come up with a, a procedure because the, the chairman could put anything that he wants on the board. And I understand that nobody wants to have a 12-hour meeting. It already takes up their entire day. But, you know, my other recommendation to him was or come up with a procedure that everyone can agree on, you know, the, the, your four Republicans and, and the three Democrats and um, come up with a fair and equitable, equ equitable way for people to put, for anyone to put something on the agenda. Um, you know, the, the procedure is, for, is, is theirs to, to create. But so uh, that was number one. Uh, number one was, you know, you got to make uh, th getting things on the agenda more fair and equitable and, and, um, and more happening in the light of day. Um, the second thing was we I strongly suggested to him that they need to meet with the um, very bright, very enterprising, very engaged, uh, very uh, passionate students of Wheeler High School. Uh, Wheeler High School, there's a group of, of kids that want to, to change the name of Wheeler High School, and they've yet to be given due process. So I told him that, um, you know, that needed to happen. And then the other thing that needs to happen is really a, a more open and honest, two, meaningful two-way communication coming out of the district uh, about any number of things, whether it be our mask policy or um, COVID protocol or changes to COVID protocol or whether it be um, purchases um, and how purchases are made. When we've asked questions, we, they have gone ignored. Um, so being more responsive to community, to constituents in, in meaningful ways, not in ways that you answered the email, but you didn't say anything, you know, you returned the email, but you didn't answer a question, um, you know, meaningful ways. Those were the things that, that they need to improve upon. And since school is starting back, right, and as a parent and a stakeholder in Cobb, what are some things that you're at least hoping to see throughout the duration of the school year with like the way that they're going to be operating with the mass policies? Well, I know that the mass policy is optional this year. What are at least some things that you hope that can get done just so we can have a functional school year this year and not be reminiscent of last year? Yeah, I think I, unfortunately, I think that ship has sailed. I think that, you know, 2021, the 2021, you know, 22 school year is going to look an awful lot like last school year did. Um, and that's because it it feels at me being a, a parent of a student in Cobb County, it feels like they were unprepared for this new Delta variant, which, you know, who would know? But as a school district, you you 
I feel like you have to know how you're going to handle the situation. I mean, I think we all know that, um, well, maybe I shouldn't say we all know, but I, you know, I think we know that COVID's not going away anytime soon. It's probably something that we're going to live with. Like we live with the flu. Um, however, um, you know, the county was giving, the school district was given a lot of money, hundreds of millions of dollars from the government to help put processes in place to not just deal with um, the the increase in expenses that that living in you know in a in a pandemic in a time of pandemic has has created but also to set us up for success for the future and to put some um, some resources some long-term resources into play into our district and um, I'm not sure that they've done that um, so, you know, I, so I think that maybe that, you know, that ship has sailed um, on how can we make sure it's not as bad or the same as last year. I think we're, I think we're off to a pretty shaky start. <laughs> um, that's me, you know, I mean, from, as, as far as the watching the, you know, watching the funds perspective goes, um, something we're very concerned about is, is exactly what I just talked about. They now have a COVID protocol in place and a policy in place where, you know, if you have, if your child has to quarantine, they are quarantining for 10 to 14 days, you know, the recommended time um, with no uh, virtual learning option. So now we worry that the, um, that learning loss is going to be as prevalent this coming year because of this coming year as it was because of last school year coming into this year, if that makes sense. So we need to make sure that the money um, that we've been given is being spent the way that um, best serves and supports our students and our teachers so that we can make up a lot of ground, but also be in a position to, um, to be prepared and to have the infrastructure in place if next year is a version of this year and so on and so on. And if they should ever, if we should ever find ourselves in this situation ever again down the road. What are some of the biggest concerns that teachers bring up to you? And like, hey, look, can we get this done? Can we please get this done? How about we talk about this? What are some of the biggest things that teachers say? Yeah, we did a survey of teachers um, and we got, I mean, statistically speaking, it wasn't viable, but we needed, we were trying to take our, take a temperature of, of what our educators want, what resources are being provided to them um, by the district, vis-a-vis -vis being paid for by the district. And um, what do they actually use and what would they prefer? Um, so we did do that survey. We presented that information to the board on, on a couple of occasions. And one of the um, things that really rise to the top is um, improved ventilation in our schools, um, which other school districts have done. DeKalb County, or one of the DeKalb schools just got a visit from uh, um, Dr. Uh, Cordoza, uh, Oh my gosh! I, I without, but anyway, the um, yeah, the uh, uh, you had it on the Facebook post. Secretary of Education. Yeah, um, <laughs> he's from Meriden, Connecticut. That much I know because I was I'm from Middletown, Connecticut. But anyway, um, <laughs> uh, so a school district just just got a visit 
by him. And he was like, this is amazing. This is exactly what we want you guys to be spending you know, money on. This is a great use of the American Rescue Plan's money. And that will have a long-term impact going forward. You know, it's something that they could have gotten done in this fiscal year and it would have had um, made vast improvements. So that is something that the teachers saw value in is, hey, with the money that we're getting, um, can we spend it on improved ventilation? And they also wanted to see more uh, mental health support services being available for uh, students and um, and reduced class size. Okay. Well, I, for the um, Washington Funds COP discussion, I think we'll end that there. I mean, we have 31 minutes of straight COP discussion and I do want to say, I do want to ask at least before we leave, uh, I do want to talk a little bit about your career as, you know, as a comedian and all those things. I want to make sure that we touch on that. And I wanted to ask you that, did, did your occupation kind of like, when you're a comedian and you're getting interviewed by like Fox News and people orga- organization like that, did it kind of help that? in a way of making you feel more comfortable doing a podcast like with me or talking to different or- news organizations about what's going on in the district and what your mission's purpose is, you know? Uh, no, just the opposite. So, um, oh, really? before, before I was a stand-up, com- well, what I mean by that is before I was a stand-up comedian, I was a public relations executive. Um, so, um, specializing in crisis communications. So, Doing the watching the fun stuff is is way within my wheelhouse. Um, doing comedy means I can also just write jokes at the same time. Like, yeah, like it, it just means, um, you know, I'm just one of those people I've never been afraid of speaking in front of, you know, in front of people. And, and I've had, you know, blah, blah. I've had to, like, uh deal with, you know, communicate through crises and, and, and deal with crises through communication in in my career. Uh, so that is definitely, that background has definitely helped in this watching the fun world. I think the comedy part has just helped me be a little bit more snarky about it. (laughs) (laughs) Any new material about the school district, your, um, your material, is there any no, only because I don't find it very funny, but um, um, I do every once in a while throw in um, to, in my material a, like a little nod or a little um, reference about how, you know, um, um, I'm, you know, I'm not getting along with the school board right now or the school district, but uh, but I don't have any material on it per per se, but um, um but I'm, I'm taking notes, though. I'm keeping notes. <laughs> it makes an appearance every now and again. Every blue moon you talk it's about. It's kind of like if you know, you know. And if you don't, you you, you just you <laughs> just heard one sentence that you don't give much thought to. Um, but if you know, you know. <laughs> You're like, we're trying to keep it light over here. We don't want to go into all of that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I would imagine that brings about more, a little bit more anger than like joy and, and laughter in that instance. So I think that's understandable given right. the circumstances. And I will say for right now, I think that um, we're reaching that 34 minute mark. We're about to hit 45 minutes. Uh, I'm going to go ahead 
and give you the option of like, do you want to continue with the pod or do you want to stop it here? Which one would be fine with you based on your schedule? I always try to do that. Oh, I mean, I have about 10 more minutes if you want to go a little longer. Just a little bit longer. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll say, uh, since you do say you have 10 more minutes, I guess I will just go ahead and cut it off here. Um, if that's fine with you. Yeah, then. that's great. That's perfect. If you have what you need. Sure. Okay. Okay. But I do want to say, I always do this before we leave off for the people that would be watching this podcast, listening to it. What are some of the things that you want them to take away from your group's purpose, your organization, and just away from the podcast in general? So, um, ask that question again. What would I want, um, to say? Yeah. Okay. So watching the funds, we, so we're a bipartisan group that's watching how, when, why, where, you know, our taxpayer dollars are being spent. I mean, really anybody can get behind that no matter what you, Uh yeah, no matter how you vote, if you're a Republican, you know, then you're probably fiscally conservative. And if you're a Democrat, well, you work hard for your money too. So, um, so that's what watching, that's what watching the funds, um, is that's what, that's what we work on. And if that's something that is of interest to them then they need to get involved, then I would certainly, you know, welcome, um, we have a Facebook page watching the funds Cobb. If you live in Cobb, you're a stakeholder, then anyone help us out. We can always, always use help. If you're outside of Cobb, then, we started our group. You can start a group, and but it starts with really paying paying attention to um, what's happening at the board level and watching the board meetings. And I would just, I, I really do recommend that people do educate themselves on what's happening at their in their school board meetings and happening with their schools beyond the schools that your children attend, um, because we. We pay a significant amount of taxes in Cobb, and a significant amount of that goes to um, goes to back to our schools. So they all need to be functioning. Um, and then I would just remind them that no matter what district you're in, your board works for you. You voted for them. So if uh, if you don't like how it's going, let them know. That's your responsibility, and it's their responsibility to listen. They literally have to listen to you like it's their job because it literally is their job. Absolutely, absolutely. And do you think that just it kind of gives the parents a little bit more, I don't want to use ammo, but it does give them a little motivation to go out and be like, hey, go to these board meetings and see what's going on, you know, and like speak out. Do you think it also serves that purpose as well? You kind of arming the parents with that ability to go out and see what the board members are talking about. Yeah, so watching the funds, our mission is to really educate our constituency through facts and data. And, um, and that's what we trade in. You know, if there's a news article or an interview that, um, you know, addresses a particular issue or, um, or an interview that, um, you know, the superintendent did or something, we, you know, we post that and we put some context around that. Um, but all based in, in facts. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it, it really is just watching the funds. Okay. Well, I want to thank you so much for being on the podcast. I think we had a nice little conversation, dare I say. Thank you. (laughs) Sorry, I get a little long-winded, but um, good luck editing that. (laughs) (laughs) You just made my job so much hard now, Flint. It was great. (laughs) It was great. 
it was so great. It was informative. It was great. And I'm so happy that you decided to come on. And I hope you have a great rest of your day, okay? Thank you. You as well. All right. Thank you okay. so much. Okay. Bye. Bye.